Live inside Twin Peaks, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. On a Monday, Twin Peaks is the site. We're getting ready for Monday Night Football, Bears and the Steelers. Lots of uh, Raiders and NFL highlights coming throughout the show. Willie Ramirez is here. Ari is in our Finley Toyota studios. Happy hours going down right now uh, at Twin Peaks. So the big beer, 22-ouncer, less than $4. Appetizers, select appetizers, two, four, and six bucks. And Willie will be staying around here through the first couple minutes of the Monday Night Football game, giving away some cool prizes as well. A lot to get to. Man, I'm fired up. I'm reading more negative stuff about Vegas, and it really freaking ticks me off. The Raiders didn't get the job done over the weekend. I don't really want to hear any excuses, and they didn't make any excuses. So plenty to get to on a super busy day. All right, let's do it. It's Trending at 2, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Wowie, owie. Lots going on around the Raiders. Crazy stuff. We'll get to Damon Arnett in a couple of minutes. He's gone. But Willie can attest to the fact, and I'm sure the fans see it, how wacky Vegas are now with more league sports on the ground. We'll get to some of the Jack Eichel comments today. But keep in mind, our major league franchise hockey team, Willie, just traded for a top 25 player in the league in what could be called a controversial deal if his surgery on Friday doesn't take and he's out longer. And he spoke this morning, and it's like the sixth or seventh biggest story of the day in Las Vegas. It is. It is. With everything that's going on centered around the silver and black, um, the most prized acquisition in the NHL spoke to the media for the first time. Yesterday, he arrived amid the fanfare at Red Rock. Um, I spoke with one of the Golden Knight Vivas, Savannah, and she was telling me the experience yesterday of him arriving and the awe in his face and being able to see the mascots, the the, the celebration, and... Um, and then today he meets with the reporters, and, and it was packed. Let me tell you, in yeah. that film room, it was packed. Um, I personally asked him specifically, which we will unpack later in the show. I asked him specifically, some may say this is an uh, a risky and expensive investment for a franchise five years old looking to make a run to the Stanley Cup final. And um, do you think that you are a risk? And uh, we'll we'll talk about that okay. later in the show. Good, I'm, I'm good tease. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing that. Um, I'll give you a risk, at least in my mind. Uh, I understand the Raiders lost yesterday, and Henry Ruggs is gone from the Raiders forever. So there's a feeling of desperation to fill the hole. Um, I think it's a massive risk to bring in Deshaun Jackson, but that's exactly what they're going to do. Well, and the risk you're talking about is much different than the risk I'm talking about with Jack Eichel, and that's because this is a team that in the last three and a half weeks now, four weeks, I guess you could say is now can always be questioned on its character from a former head coach to a first-round receiver to a first-round cornerback. One guy making 
ludicrous comments and emails before he was a coach. I'm making a dumb decision. Guy waving titles. Um, now we're bringing in somebody. We, the Raiders, I should say. No, you know what? Use we. Because I think we need to start thinking more about the community and what Major League Sports is doing here and who they're bringing in to win games. No, it is a we. We are clearly, it was we when Tina Tintor passed away last week. We are all part of this. We and I think it's a very important question to ask. Can you win football games without having Henry Ruggs types, Damon Arnett types, and frankly, Deshaun Jackson types? And if people are wondering what, what I'm talking about, Deshaun Jackson has bounced around the league. Some people swear by him. Others are like, well, there have been rumors forever about whatever gang ties. Um, others will tell you he's just kind of a wannabe and he'll hang around with some bad dudes. Um, he's also a guy who less than three years ago posted some ridiculous anti-Semitic stuff. So his judgment kind of sounds like Rudin, right? His judgment ain't there. And just like I ranted last week with um, Deshaun Jackson wind his way out of a situation because he wasn't getting enough. And in this case, wait, Beckham with Mayfield. All right. Maybe Mayfield isn't good. Maybe he's mediocre. Was Before yesterday, was anyone saying, oh, it must be the quarterback. It's Matt Stafford's fault. Everyone else in the receiving core with the Rams is like, giddy up. We fine. like this guy. Yeah. So I just, again, I don't want to write the guy off before he gets to play for the Raiders, but realize you're getting a guy with some baggage here after you just dumped two guys in five days who had baggage, like extreme baggage. So I just I, I wonder what's happening right now. And, you know, this I'm going to get into this a lot today. Yeah. This win at all cost football first mentality is real dangerous around the country. And Vegas hadn't really felt it before until the, the last couple of weeks. And really going back to last year with Josh Jacobs and his accident in the airport tunnel. Keep in mind, there are pockets in this country where football comes first and the citizens of that city and the students sometimes at certain schools are a big afterthought and i'll roll down all the places you know a lot of the places las vegas does not want to be columbus ohio we don't live here because we want to be gainesville florida i certainly don't want any female i know to have vegas turn out to be waco texas or baton rouge i can keep rolling them out yeah you're we, that's up. not that's not what we want to be that's not what we were. Because you know where we're going with this in a little bit. More of this, oh, Vegas, Vegas. No, 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 no. So Deshaun Jackson is here. Just pure football. You know, if he can do what he does, I certainly would take him over Beckham. But just realize what, what you're getting here and what some things in the past that have been around Deshaun. There are certainly – there is certainly a lot more than – the receiver with the most catches on passes thrown 20 or more yards downfield since 2000. That would be Deshaun Jackson, 123, 12 more than Julio Jones. There are certainly more to the receiver who has the most receptions of 50 or more yards since 1991. That would be Deshaun Jackson, 45, two more than Randy Moss. Um, as you said, the Las Vegas Raiders and all of us media folk are now bringing in and having to cover and having to um, 
see what sort of character is now infiltrating this locker room, this receiver's room, a roster that has been shaken up because of character flaws in the last four weeks, whatever it's been, since the Gruden emails came out. And there's, you know, this is... This is definitely going to be something in which, you know, um, he is going to have to conform and 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 make and meld himself into a locker room that sort of had a shakeup over the over the offseason. And, you know, yes, rugs and, and Arnett are are certainly are not the, the characters that have that turned out the way you wanted them, but we have talked about the fact that Gus Bradley and Greg Olson and Rod Marinelli and Tom Cable and now Rich Passaccia, um, what they have done to overhaul this roster and the attitude and the character and the camaraderie and the chemistry and the quote-unquote brotherhood that these guys speak so deeply of because you cannot come in and disrupt. Yes, they lost yesterday, came off of a tough week. We're going to get into that. We're going to unpack the Raiders' loss as well. But this is still a very tight-knit group that the last thing you need is a bad seed coming in with a me, me, me attitude. And if Deshaun Jackson comes in and thinks that it's go- he's going to be Derek Carr's deep threat guy. But let's not forget that when Henry Ruggs was still a part of this roster and he was the deep threat guy, it was still a lot of wealth spread amongst those targets. And Darren Waller has been the main target. For a couple of years, and he could still be Derek number one guy. Deshaun Jackson's being brought in to fill a void, and that is to be that deep threat. So they lose a the game yesterday. Let's start breaking it down a little bit. 23-16. Yep. I'll tell you, when they got the ball at the end one last time, and I was even saying it on the, the final three plays before the Giants kicked the field goal, I'm like, if the Giants go conservative, as so many coaches do, and settle for a field goal and give the ball back to Derek Carr, one of the better seven, you know, top seven, top eight quarterbacks in the league. They give him the ball back with a chance to come back. The Raiders are going to tie this game. It didn't work out. Now, that wasn't the only reason they lost the game. The lead up to that was some pretty poor execution times, conservative calling inside the 15-yard line. But were you surprised that the Raiders couldn't get the job done score the game tying touchdown pending the extra point yeah yes i was i was so confident they were going down the field willie i was and they did i was surprised with everything that encompassed this loss i was in i was surprised with how out of left field this team went conservative after two straight weeks before the bye week of something different with greg olson calling the plays um, I understand that you lost your deep threat guy, and, and yes, uh, Carr may have taken some shots, but we definitely saw something different yesterday, and, and it it had to have been a little, you know, it, it, it changed the complexion. I don't know if it was because they were on the road, if it was a different opponent, what it was. Derek Carr was certainly not himself, um, and I think that was a problem. He missed some targets. Uh, he didn't seem in sync, if you will, with his receivers. And if there was any one person that showed that the Henry Rugg situation affected him, I believe it was Derek Carr. How so? As I said, I just don't think that he 
he wasn't throwing with confidence. His 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 body language, um, going up to Hunter River, telling him that's on me, the pick six. Um, not and that's not to take away from Xavier McKinney because he jumped the route beautifully. He he played it well. He read Carr well. But, I think he, I, I think he suckered Carr on that one. Well, you could almost see him from the get off. Yeah, that he knew the ball was going in that direction. He saw well. He saw the route and he said that he kept his eye on. Derek Carr the entire mm-hmm. time left enough space left that gap. Yeah. Um, coming into Sunday, 114 of Carr's 180 completions went for 10 or more yards, an average of 16.2 per game. Only nine of his 30 receptions against the Giants went for 10 or longer. Four of those 20 or longer. Um, hey, by could, the way, maybe we need to throw in there. Not only was he uncomfortable, but they told us for the last you know year plus that they had a guy rip the top off the defense. The threat. Yeah. So I guess back to my Deshaun Jackson thing, not loving that he's being brought in. Maybe if he can keep his head on straight, not piss and moan about not getting the ball, you know, 10 targets a game, that at least his threat will give the rugs like threat, and then defenses will have to back off. And they can't as easily jump routes. They they can't have safeties up. They can't have safeties up to help on the run. No. And he, the thing is, is yesterday he threw, yesterday was, he threw it a season second lowest eight targets. He's used to throwing it nine and ten. So it's only one less and two less, yes, but it's that option. And he wasn't under a lot of pressure. He didn't face a lot of pressure. So that's why I think his mindset was a little off. I think that I don't think that he was taking a snap and dropping back and thinking about Henry Ruggs. I don't think that he was looking downfield going, gosh, I wish Henry Ruggs was in my sight. But I just think that he Maybe was off all week at practice. Maybe, maybe this 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 whole incident took a toll on Lee, and he just didn't look like. Like I said, he just didn't look confident. Throws, he didn't have as much prowess as he had been playing with. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at Two. It's a refi-rated Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. Eight seven 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 hundred Nova. Today we waived Damon Arnett. Very painful decision. We spent significant time, effort, and resources trying to help him in all facets of his life. There have been a series of bad decisions over the last year or so, but we can't stand, we cannot stand, for the video of Damon with a gun threatening to take a life. The content was unacceptable. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Yeah, salt in the wound as the Raiders are trying to get ready for the Giants game over the weekend, completely distracted by Henry Ruggs' crash and subsequent death of one of our fellow locals, Tina Tintor. Then we see this stupid video from Damon Arnett, the other first-round pick a year ago, waving around a gun, threatening people. So while the Raiders said, I think, unless maybe I missed one of the comments, the Raiders said all the right things about being distracted, emotions, right? I saw Renfro was like, well, you guys wouldn't be asking, basically said, you wouldn't be asking about the emotions if we had won the game. Maybe you guys would have. Um, Yeah, I don't think that's true. Um, Yeah, Arnett was yet another distraction, and now he's been released today. So, oh boy, two first-round picks. That was supposed to be the, the whole pitch when they got rid of some of their great players and Amari Cooper, 
Khalil Mack, right? First-round pick, first-round pick, first-round pick, and uh, both guys are gone from a year ago. On the emotions thing, I mean, you just explained you thought Carr was a little bit off. So you think he may have been affected by it? I do. I think it – I mean, it's – you know, and, I, and I've been saying this, that I, I believe that this tragedy affected the Raiders more than the Gruden one. That's more of an infuriation with somebody who you mentor – like figure to some you know to some who maybe didn't have a male mentor to believe in them as a as a high school kid and a college kid and then brings him in you know I'm, I'm not sure about Damon Arnett's upbringing so on and so forth but he talked a lot to me during a one-on-one exclusive before the season of how he felt he had a second chance after you know after a disappointing rookie season but for a lot of things that he went through off the field um, you know, in that Gruden and Mayock believed in him and he felt like, you know, they were there. So, so those, those guys were there for, you know, have been there. But so when you hear something that took place, like with the Gruden email scandal, I think that's more of it infuriating for these guys. And they bonded together and say, Hey, we can get past this. It, it's not affecting them emotionally where they're hurt. Um, like they were for rugs. You know, they 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 expressed their sympathy for Tina Tintor's family. But knowing that Ruggs is facing, you know, extended time incarceration and and that his career is essentially over, I believe that it had an impact on them emotionally and 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 you know, when you go through something emotionally, it can be physically draining. It tires your system down. So you know, you have to you have to go through it, and that's something that I feel. You know, you're the leader of the team. He's had to step up. We heard Basachi say, "Derek Carr's the voice of this team," and you have to ask yourself, did he have enough to be the voice of the team yet again? And I just don't think he did. I don't. And let me just say, I don't think that anything once this video surfaced of Arnett, I don't think that that had any impact on this team. I don't. I think that they knew what they had with Arnett. I think oh, the yeah. rugs thing is the number one. Thing. Well, he wasn't playing. He wasn't contributing. Well, and, and they knew who and he then, was. And they, they clearly made the decision that, yeah, you know what? Maybe he gets it together and maybe he'll be a player, but we ain't waiting. And that's why Casey Hayward was brought in. And that's why I patted the Raiders on the back for not, you know, sticking with. Because sometimes it's embarrassing for personnel guys and coaches. They believe in someone. They, you know, they freaking sell the farm to get a first-round pick. And it's like, hey, well, you know, our Damon Arnett, we got to play him. And in the offseason, they were like, yeah, this ain't working. So Casey Hayward's got to come in and challenge him. And if Arnett steps up, then he gets a job back. He didn't step up. And who knows, you know, how distracted he was, right? If he's doing this kind of crap on a regular basis, is he really thinking about football? Doesn't look like it. And uh, give me a little more Mayock here. Is he, you know, he was real strong in that statement that that stuff is just not tolerable, uh, you know, going on social media, waving a gun around, threatening people. What else did he say? Contrary to our values. And our owner, Mark Davis, has been very clear and very consistent that this is not how we will conduct ourselves in this community. The bottom line, the Raiders will not tolerate this type of behavior. On a personal note, I've talked to Damon, his dad, a couple others in his life. From my perspective, he's a very talented young man with a good heart. If he cleans up his life, I know he can make a living in the NFL, but not now with the Raiders. Not now with the Raiders. And it's going to take 
I, I was texting with somebody earlier and she knows Damon Arnett. She knows his circle very well. And she was surprised when I, I just, I replied, I said, he's done. And she said, you don't think another team's going to pick him up? I was like, not this season. First of all, he's been injured. Now you put this video out, you know, where you are. Well, first, you know, we haven't even mentioned. We haven't even mentioned the fact that he got in a car accident last year, left the scene, left someone behind to take the blame for it. Tried to lie that he wasn't the driver. Then they come and confront him at the facility, and apparently there he said, oh, yeah, I was, but I was late for a meeting, so he was going to take care so of it. So the Raiders knew about it. So the Raiders knew about Which it. I, and then I don't want to hear – this. it's a real disturbing thing when they've got these problems – um, you know, I've got we've got no comment on it. You know, it's a legal thing. What do you mean you have no comment on it? You you have to have a comment on legal things in this community involving your players, especially when you just made this comment that we're not going to tolerate. I, I like the message. I like the may, message. I like too, the, but... the, the Mayock message. I mean, I, I guess I would defend. I mean, I would love for him to come out and go. Listen, the guy who made the decisions and made some really poor character judgments is John Gruden, and he showed that he has some issues. So John's gone, and this is all part of cleaning up the organization. We're going zero tolerance now. It's John's fault. Now, they're not going to do that, and I don't think it's all John Gruden's fault, but if he was the one pulling the trigger, and and frankly, I guess there was some stuff in the press conference today about the 2020 draft was really hard. Well, it was. And you know what? The Titans had a first-round pick who you know just, just lost it, and they wound up dumping him. The good organizations, and I'll have to look through the the, the draft. I, you know, I don't know. Everyone had an issue with the first-round picks, but my God – was it you they freaking whiffed from a car on both of your guys i understand it was all on zoom it, it does make it tough i understand there weren't face-to-faces you know, as much as you wanted but these are monumental mistakes i mean especially with rugs i mean resulted in the death of a local and who knows what was going to happen with arnett at some point he took the blame he took the blame 100 he said that's on me but you know he did by the he, way he, he didn't pass the buck like i just said it wouldn't even be passing the buck. No, who, you, you would say. Who, 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 who do you makes the final? Who who was made the final decision on the picks? I'm saying is he he could. It's actually being nice by not going. You know what? Wasn't he? But and as John is not doing the home alone, saying here's what I like, here's this. Mayox making suggestions, knowing Gruden's going to have the final say. But together they're doing the research they're making the calls they're doing the due diligence of doing the interviews vetting each of these picks um rugs of course 12th damon arnett 19th instead of rugs could have got jerry judy could have got cd lamb um damon arnett went a few picks after aj terrell a lot of guys i'm just scrolling through and i'm not going to sit here and go through the entire draft but like you said you'd have to look back but these are choices that they made in 2020 together yep and whether gruden had the final say so or not they both did the the uh the research on their own and and he said it and we probably have a we probably have this coming up but he he said that they knew that what they were getting into with arnett yeah that one that, to me, is the real distressing one. Um, yeah, play Mayock uh, talking about some of the homework they did before drafting Damon Arnett. Yeah, there was significant concern, and, and most of the teams around the league were very aware of it. Um, 
we spent an awful lot of time trying to understand his behavior and really what kind of tilted everything in the direction of, okay, let's go ahead and draft him, um, was that we knew that coaching staff pretty well. We knew what they had asked him to do his last year at Ohio State. They felt very strongly that they knew who we had on our staff and that we'd be able to work with this young man and not only help him on the football field, but help him in his life. And, um, you know, obviously in hindsight, we weren't able to do it. And I know people, a lot of people, including myself, we were all concerned about this. But we, at the time, we thought it was an acceptable risk. And obviously it's painful on all levels. And before we start hearing people say, well, that's what happens when you bring that character to Las Vegas. No, that's what happens when you run the risk with the character that you're unsure of, but you think that you could straighten out and put millions of dollars in their pockets. This is, right. not, this is not a Las Vegas issue. And in turn, put millions of Las Vegas residents in jeopardy. And there's a lot of lessons to be learned here. First of all, don't trust. College coaches are really big on this. Don't trust the word of Ryan Day ever again. And this whole thing that, you know, they thought we had the people in place to fix it. Give me a break. Give me a freaking break. This is so distressing on so many levels. Damon Arnett's gone now. And the fact that we're hearing, hey, we had concerns. We knew about the problems. What? I'm not saying our local football team needs to inform us of some of these problems, but by God, it would be nice to know, wouldn't it? I'm sorry. This is this is this is flabbergasting. And I think and I, and I, I think there there are a lot of players who are drafted who have problems in college uh, to different you know different degrees, and it's up to the college coaches to be completely honest with you. And I don't know, man. Columbus, Ohio has a real track record of putting football first over the community. And when they send their players out and they're like, oh, you, you can fix them. I wouldn't trust Ryan Day again. Not after this one. I had a uh, I had a rebuttal. I had a little comeback and a little something, but I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it because this is going to turn into it. Because this obviously is going to be the theme. We're going to have some – we're going to talk about tonight's big game. By the way, we're at Twin Peaks, so make sure you get down there. I got plenty of prizes. I'm going to be here after the show. Got tickets, got T-shirts, got a chance for you to win gold night tickets. So make sure you come down here. We got, we're going to talk about Monday Night Football. We're going to talk about Jack Eichel. We're going to talk about but, here, but, but here, here's the thing. This is going to turn into a yeah. Las Vegas team, and I'm saving something that I'm going to counter all the idiots saying blaming Las Vegas. Ice cold 29 degree beer for under $4 and cheap appetizers all game long. Get down here to Twin Peaks. I'm back, and I'm about to murder. You know, we call it football, not arm ball. It's about running the football. Look at the teams that had success running yesterday. Look at Cleveland. They give it to him on second and ten, and he breaks a big one. He might take it all the way. As Chubb takes it to the end zone for the touchdown. 70 yards. Coach Stefanski, here's your next-gen stats. Hand the ball to that guy. It's going to work. The teams that ran the ball well yesterday won. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. Hometown hero, O.J. Simpson, um, pontificating about week nine in the NFL. We'll have more of his rant in a little bit. But you heard Cleveland go off 
70-yard run there from Chubb, courtesy of CBS, on running the ball. And by the way, we'll get back to more of the Arnett stuff, what Willie was talking about, about the Las Vegas bashing outside the market. That's coming up in the 3 o'clock hour. In about 10 minutes, we're going to check in with one of our friends in New York from WFAN, Danielle McCartan, on the Giants' side of the victory over the Raiders. So OJ was just talking about you got to run the ball. All right, maybe not the most objective guy. He's old, and he played running back. Um, I think you have to run the ball at the right times. I still think the pass is the way you win in the NFL. There's a physicality that is needed to balance out all of those passes. And you also have to run the ball at the right time. And while the Raiders were solid, right, 20 carries for 117 yards, I think there'd be people who look at that and go, they didn't run enough in a close game. They didn't They didn't run enough. Um, to me, their downfall was kind of that Grudenitis stuff that we saw from a year ago when the Raiders last year too often would get into the red zone, all of a sudden there'd be this settling for field goal stuff. Yeah. Uh, and especially late in the set on third and fourth down, you know, when you got fourth and two, fourth and three, it is amazing watching the Raiders fall back into old habits because they were aggressive to start the year. It's amazing watching what the Raiders did against the Giants, which was attempt multiple short field goals instead of going for it. And watching the Chargers against the Eagles. Now, it didn't always work with the Chargers, but I'm telling you, Willie, when you watch the Chargers, it, it was funny. There were a couple of there were a couple of short fourth downs where you're like, okay, what are they going to do? And the Eagles start running off the field, right? Eagles defense starts turning off the field, and it's like, no, 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 no. It's Brandon Staley. Like, they're probably going for it, fellas. And not only did the Chargers go for it, and again, they didn't get it every time because they came up short on the doorstep on a, a fourth down pass near the end zone to Keenan Allen. He reached out, but he fell short. But not only do they go for it on fourth down, they throw on fourth down because they have a quarterback they trust in Justin Herbert to play pitch and catch with a top receiver outside. Raiders could do the same thing, and they could have done it yesterday. You've got multiple guys you can trust to go and get open for a three-yard gain to gain a short first down. One, Renfro, whatever he wants to run, that China route thing is amazing. Yeah. Or you've got a you know a 6'10 guy, you know, 6'10", 6'6", Waller, who can basically box out someone like a power forward. That, to me, and there, there were other things that went wrong. But those were the key moments when you go back to not being aggressive on third and fourth down, and you're kicking short field goals. Yeah, and you, you have guys that, are, that have been used as decoys before that you also have the option of, Kenyon Drake coming out of the backfield to catch a ball, you know his limited touches. Um, that the, the red zone was a was a high talked. It was highly talked about during training camp, and, and Gruden got he actually got irritated with me after a preseason game when asked about it. And the guys said, you know, they were tired to talk about it. They understand it's it needs to be fixed, but you know what? You must not have understood too good because as of right now, you have the sixth worst red zone conversion rate at 53.1%. Raiders rank 27th in the league. You know who ranks number one? It's kind of surprising. Red zone percentage? The San Francisco 49ers. Percentage of the time a team reaches the red zone and scores a touchdown. And that's not a score, it's a touchdown. 49ers at 77.3%, followed by Seattle, Philly, Baltimore, Arizona, New Orleans, Tampa, Cincy, Tennessee. Those are your top nine teams. Several of those 
are certainly have been talked about in Super Bowl talk. That being the Ravens, that being the Cardinals, that being the Buccaneers, that being the Bengals, that being the Titans. Maybe not so much the Bengals right now, but they were early on. The Titans are looking good. These are teams that are scoring touchdowns in the red zone. The Raiders, for whatever reason, took a different turn yesterday, and that and that is a one of the major reasons it cost them the game. Yep. Carlson, 32-yard field goal. That was on the heels of a 10-play drive. I mean, what's happening on a 10-play drive? What's happening to the defense, right? In terms of wear and tear. 25-yard field goal on the heel. 15-play drive, and then he missed. Carlson missed his career short field goal at 23 yards. All right, we're going to check in with the Giants side of things. That's a big win for the Giants. We'll see uh, how Giant Land is feeling and what's going on on uh, talk radio there with one of the hosts from WFAN in New York. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Second down and 10. Carr takes the snap. Hit and there's a penalty flag. Ball's loose. Still on the ground. The Giants pounce on it. The Giants have it. The Giants have recovered the fumble. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. All right, let's get to the Giants side of this loss by the Raiders. Bad loss in my mind. And, you know, for a team that's going to have to win uh, at least nine games, uh, this one uh, was one that I had penciled in as a victory. But Raiders went back to some old ways, didn't exactly play aggressive in the red zone. And, the you know, the Giants are a little better than I think a lot of people leave. They actually get it together on, on their sideline. Daniel McCartan. Covers the Giants, covers the New York scene at WFAN. Danielle, how you doing? What's up, Danielle? Hey, Steve, how are you? How are you guys? We're good. We're good. All right, so give me the uh, the general vibe on the Raiders' loss, the Giants' victory. How are people feeling in Giantland? You know, I thought it would be a lot more exciting here in Giantland, but uh, it's more kind of like, meh. All right, yeah, they beat the Raiders. All right, so what? It's like the apathy is kind of weird here, actually. I thought it was going to be a lot more excitement, but there isn't. Well, I, you know, I think a lot of that is uh, in situations where you see the handwriting on the wall and that maybe the head coach is in over his head. One victory doesn't fix everything. Yeah, I guess. And, and But it depends on over who, you know, no offense to the Raiders. But, I mean, I look ahead to the Giants' schedule and, you know, a victory over the Cowboys would, I think, be more exciting for fans. A victory over Tom Brady and the Bucks next week would be more – or actually two weeks – would be more exciting for the fans. So not that it was the Raiders, you know, but I just think that a more exciting opponent, a stiffer opponent, would kind of generate some more interest and excitement here in New York. Interested. Do you think that, in, in piggybacking on that, do you think that maybe Giants fans look at it like, not so much that it's not a divisional opponent, it's not the Cowboys, the Eagles, so on and so forth, it's only the Raiders, but more so that, well, they also beat a team that just went through something and – that they know that maybe if they didn't, they may that the Raiders may have come in clear headed. Do you do you think that the fans look at it as if maybe the Raiders were damaged a little bit? Um, no, no, I don't think so. I think the fan perspective is more like, like you said, it's not a Philadelphia, it's not a Dallas, you know, it's not a Washington. So, um, you know, who knows how good that division is out there? I mean, the Giants just barely lost to the Kansas City Chiefs on a game that they literally had won. So almost it's more of like a um, the Raiders here aren't seen as like a threat. So to beat the Raiders, it's kind of like, all right, well, that was one of the games that they could have probably won. And they did. So good for them. So let's talk about the Giants a little bit. This was supposed to be or 
probably still is a bit of a make or break season for Daniel Jones and the heir apparent to Eli. And then, and, and a lot of people speculated this, this has to be his season. And I'm not sure how much of it is on him as far as the deficiencies, but what have you made, you know, what do you, what's your take on the, in your assessment, the first half of the season for the giants, the offense and Daniel Jones? Yeah. You know, I get a lot of calls on the radio about Daniel Jones. Is he the guy, quote unquote, or is he not the guy? Uh, to me, and every call I get about that, Daniel Jones is the guy. I mean, one, who are you going to replace him with? That's first. Two, I mean, and don't tell me Russell Wilson. It's not going to happen. And Aaron Rodgers, it's not going to happen. Two, I mean, what do, what would you look for in a prototypical 2022 quarterback? A guy that can throw the ball deep, okay, check. A guy that is, is a significant threat to run the ball, okay, check so there's a lot of things to like about daniel jones and i don't understand why people aren't jumping on the daniel jones train like i am because when you look at him he hasn't had his number one saquon barkley running back for what all of last season pretty much most of this season pretty much he's got uh, a revolving door of offensive linemen in front of him he's got wide receivers that are absent you know who's playing today let's go see let's go have tryouts at metlife stadium to be the, the, the wide receiver of the giants so it's like even though he's had all of these adversities thrown at him, I think he's really risen to the occasion. And I just wish more people would see that. You know, it's funny you say that because when he came in and after and showed a little bit of promise that first season and into the second, I actually was a buyer on Daniel Jones. I wrote a couple of previews this year on win totals and thought that Daniel Jones is, is and as you put it, the guy, because mm -hmm. I, I'm right there with you. Um, what is it that you see then is the problem and is it fixable because this NFC East, the, the Cowboys lose to the Broncos and who whoever knows what's going to go on. I know that for a fact as a, a fan of the Cowboys since 1976. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people had Washington penciled in at the beginning of this season. What do you make of the rest of the season? Can it is it fixable and do you see the Giants going after anybody? So today when I looked at the NFC standings, just I had to like refresh the page just to be really sure. The Giants are actually tied for second place with the Eagles with a record of three and six, which, you know, might surprise some people. But the problem is not on Daniel Jones. Of course, he threw a bad interception against the Chiefs. Okay, but by and large, the, my best stuff comes from I ran some numbers, and I ran some numbers. Those first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games – the defense was absolutely atrocious. I mean, the the quarterbacks had an average quarterback rating of over 100. That's a, you can't you can't win games when that happens. And when you look at the Darnold game, the Mahomes game, and the Carr game, I mean, Mahomes. I mean, they should have beat the Chiefs. The defense just I don't know turned it on. They you saw them gel at the end of last season. They're gelling right now, even without Blake Martinez out for the year, even without Jabril Peppers out for the year. So you look at Darnold, Mahomes, and Carr. Let me try to do some math in my head here. Their average quarterback rating over the past three weeks has been like, what, 63 or so? I mean, that's a significant change, and they won two out of three. Should have been three out of three of those games. So once this defense starts playing a little better, you're going to see some more wins in, in, in the win column for the Giants. We should bring up one of the interesting stories for the Giants, and that was the performance of Xavier McKinney with two interceptions, including the pick six. So there's a positive here. The guy threw the whole COVID mess and the false positive, you know, couldn't be around the building as much to prep for the game. But yeah. uh, here's the real story on McKinney. He's not vaccinated. So if he does get COVID, he's going to have to be out for a minimum of 10 days. And he's also 
going to be at risk of close contact the rest of the season because he's not vaccinated. So kind of a weird story to unpack with, hey, the guy delivered, but he's also still in jeopardy of missing games at any time at any point in the season. Yeah, and I'm, I guess that's their own prerogative, right? It's their body, their choice, whatever. But, you know, there will be consequences, as you outlined. I mean, we're seeing it with Kyrie Irving in, in Brooklyn. And though in New York, you cannot work if you don't have a vaccination in, in for the NBA. So it's different because the Giants were in New Jersey. But, yeah, I mean, but it is what it is. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he'll be convinced to get it. I, I don't really know the situation there. But you're right. And, and he's just having this breakout season and – a breakout game at least, and, and what a shame it would be if, if he's got a significant time because he's not vaccinated. Danielle, when are you up next on FAN on the schedule? Oh, I'll be up tomorrow, actually, Tuesday oh. night, 7.30 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern time, that is. All right, good deal. We appreciate you joining us. We'll be listening tomorrow, yeah, okay? Thanks, Danielle. Yeah, anytime, Steve. Thank you. There she is, Danielle McCartan, one of the hosts at WFAN in New York. Hey, I think the Giants did a good job yesterday. I think they've been close. Um, you know, to me, a lot of what fails them in games is Joe Judge. So I don't think they're a terrible team from a talent standpoint. I just week to week when I'm betting games, and I actually did bet the Giants last week uh, because of the Raiders situation. But week to week in close spots when I'm betting the Giants, I kind of count on Joe Judge making some sort of, you know, old school conservative move or mismanaging the clock. And uh, that's going to wind up costing them a couple of victories. I mean, you know. Two weeks ago, they were right there with the Chiefs. They should have pulled the upset. You take away three losses, or excuse me, a win. You had the win against the um, the Saints. And then you take away the, the losses to the Dallas and the Rams, two premier teams with offenses, right? They gave up 44 and 38. They held the Falcons to 17, which the Falcons aren't supposed to be anything great, but um, it was in New Jersey. They were right there and lost by three. They held the Panthers to three. They held the Chiefs to 20. They held the Raiders to 16. So you're right. I mean, they're going into a bye week now, and that defense shores up. They make some adjustments. You could see um, the Giants make a little run in the NFC East. The problem is for them, out of the bye week, three of their first four games are on the road at Tampa, at Miami, all the way out here in L.A. to play the Chargers. Hmm. Sandwiched in there is a home game against the Eagles. Um, but off the bye week and that defense comes and they're prepared, Tampa Bay overlooks them. I'm not sure what they have coming up. Um, you never know what could happen. I mean, it's it's just so wacky yesterday with what we saw with Jacksonville and Buffalo. So who's to know what's going to take place with this Giants team when they come out of a bye week? Giveaway time, caller six and seven. We got the Crazy Horse 3 after party following the uh, LVR game against KC. You can walk right across the street to Crazy Horse 3 and – what a party, man. Greg Salerno from Comp is going to be hosting the Fox Sports Radio party. We've got multiple tables we're going to be giving out this week. You get a table, you get free admission for four, a table, and a bucket or a bottle. Uh, if you're nice, it's up to Ari what he gives you. But we'll do caller six and seven right now. Greg Salerno hosting the party on Sunday following uh, Raiders and Chiefs. Caller six and seven, 364 1100, 364-1100. They got the full kitchen. Sunrise Burger, crispy chicken sandwich, spicy Italian on the pizza. That's awesome. And uh, anyone who walks over, free admission to uh, Crazy Horse 3 with a ticket from the game. It's a great party. Crazy Horse 3 after party coming up this Sunday after the big game. A couple of winners right now, 364-1100.
the Ultimate Sports Lodge, where you can watch every game in HD. The beer is an icy 29 degrees, and the food leaves you coming back for more. Twin Peaks Lodge in Henderson.